Welcome to the Miracle Moon podcast. Miracle Moon is a resource for NICU parents, past, present and future, to share experiences and normalise thoughts and feelings in a safe environment. It's run by me, Frankie, a clinical psychologist, and Georgie, a fellow NICU mum. Each week we talk about themes and experiences relevant to NICU parents. We talk honestly and openly, so we ask you to access this podcast and our other resources in a way that feels right for you and where you're currently at on your NICU journey. and welcome to the Miracle Moon podcast. The, um, the tables have turned today and the interviewer becomes the interviewee. <laughs> no, it's just Frankie and I having a chat, because um, you may have seen. Frankie, you have some news for us, do you? Yes. So, um, yeah, so I am pregnant again. So we thought that we would kind of have a chat about that just between the two of us in this episode, because I know it's something that we've spoken a lot about previously I know we've spoken about it in previous kind of podcasts and stuff like that about the idea of becoming pregnant again and now it's actually happened (laughs) so (laughs) I can kind of talk about how that's been I guess and we've got a a few questions that you guys asked um, on Instagram so we'll be going through those and then just generally having a bit of a chat about it too yeah it's um I was joking it's it's absolutely not going to be an interview it's basically going to be us again with a stream of consciousness um so (laughs) we'll just do that but we are gonna yeah answer answer the question well Frankie's going to (laughs) answer the questions that um that some of you did give to us that you would be interested in um knowing the answers to I, I don't think there's answers but knowing Frankie's thoughts on yeah exactly and I mean that's that's it I think that there's no right answers I think we've I've spoken to quite a lot of people who have been thinking about pregnancy or who are pregnant or have done pregnancy and there are again similar themes as there tend to be within it um Mm. a lot of it is I guess today talking about what my experience has been of it Mm. and I think um, this might be the earliest we've ever thrown this in however you feel is valid (laughs) (laughs) We should just make a hashtag, I think. <laughs> yeah, we should. I, but, you know, it is right. And, you know, if you don't feel like I feel, that's fine. If you feel like I feel, that's fine. Um, so there's there's no one way to feel about all of this. I think also I, I want to put in pretty early that I know that this can be a tricky um, subject for some people. I think especially around things like fertility um, things like baby loss. And I know that we're in that community. So I'm... I was very aware of that when I was posting about about being pregnant again um, because I know that it can be triggering for some people. Um, so listen to this with care in the way that you need to, I guess. Yeah, I think as normal, we don't put trigger warnings on things because essentially anything can be a trigger to someone um, depending on what you've been through. Um, so yeah, just consume our content with awareness. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um i guess should we should we dive in with a question to yeah go for it to kick it off um let's go with did you have to really think about having another baby after nikki i think this ties in with the um what i've just said about fertility so i yeah. think i have all i have been quite careful around this question it's been asked quite a few times and i think people tend to ask not so much in the NICU community actually but in real life <laughs> they, <laughs> t- they send people ask were you trying i don't know whether you you found that did you have you ever had that as a, a question like when you were pregnant with margot did people ask you that? Um, no i think because people were aware that we had had miscarriages okay um so it's i mean once you have a miscarriage and then you're pregnant again it's relatively obvious that it may be probably isn't a mistake um yeah or a surprise let's go with surprise Mm -hmm. um but yeah no i haven't had that but it's probably something i've thought (laughs) yeah oh i wonder if they were trying I ha- I've had that question loads. I've had it this time and I had it last time. And I had it with people at work last time who I didn't really know. Yeah. <laughs> so it would just be a question. And so it was one of those first kind of questions. Um, and I always think that it's just a, a bit of a 
it's an awkward one, but mostly because I'm aware of so many people going through kind of fertility. But I think what I can kind of say about it is that we always knew that we wanted more than one. Um, and I felt okay enough about my neonatal experience that it felt like if it was going to happen again, that I could cope with it. Um, so I went into it with that kind of mindset um, but I also knew that I would never feel completely ready, I don't think, because um, like with Arlo, I don't think I would have ever felt completely ready ever to have a baby. So it's similar mm. having a second baby for me. Um, it's like I could have just carried on waiting and waiting and waiting. Um, so I think for me, it's kind of come at the right time in, in that kind of way. And I... I think the other thing is that I didn't want, I didn't want fear to kind of dictate what happened for me. So yeah. if I wanted to have another baby, I didn't want that fear of what could happen kind of stop me. Um, so I think that's where I, I'm at with thinking about, yeah, when I was thinking about having another baby. Yeah. I feel like it is, fear is stopping me and us probably at the moment. Yeah. Um, I won't speak for Greg, but just say that he doesn't feel like he's ready for that at the moment and I'm not sure I feel ready for that at the moment I know I probably would like to have another but at the moment I I do feel scared it's probably less the NICU stay actually because I think we'll come on to this later and it's something you've said on Instagram already Mm -hmm. that actually that feels like the safer option to you than going into labour and bringing a baby home the same or the next day like we've done it and we know we can cope with it. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it's more like the, the miscarriage side of things. Sure. Um, but, and, how, and how cripplingly anxious I was during pregnancy. Yeah. Um, do, you think which, that, yeah. do you imagine that you would be similar, again, anxiety levels-wise? Um, I would hope not, because I've, I've got a baby at home with us now um and so i know that even though she came early my body is capable of producing life mm-hmm. um and also i'm on medication now I, I would have to change it if we ever did want to get if we ever did want to try for another baby um because it's not one that, that there's research into for during pregnancy but i think i would have to do sort of a risk benefit analysis and probably the benefits would outweigh the risks of me staying on medication for another pregnancy which is something to consider as well because obviously there are risks that go with that mm-hmm. um and i purposely came off medication for ocd before ha- before trying for margot because of those risks so mm-hmm. it's yeah it adds in sort of another layer to things as well but yeah yeah i, I would hope it's... i would hope i would be able to manage it better knowing what i know yeah and I think you can kind of predict or imagine what you would be like, but then when you're actually in it, it's maybe different. Yeah. Um, when you're in there, I know. So I, I had a really rough time around kind of week seven, week eight, um, where I felt really low about um, about the idea of having another baby. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly focused around Arlo and the impact that it would have on Arlo. Um, if I was going to go into um, NICU again, not necessarily the impact that that would have on um, the baby I'm pregnant with, but that impact that that would have on Arlo. I think because I'm so kind of focused on him still at the moment, and I think that's pretty natural until you actually have the second baby um, to be completely focused on your first one. Yeah, totally. You know them. Like, it's weird, but when you're pregnant they're more of an entity than a person for me anyway like yeah it's your focus is still completely on Arlo yeah Um, yeah I guess that that leads quite nicely into the second question um Mm. before I go on to that can you get headphones because I can hear myself um I don't have headphones no no don't worry well do you think that'll come back do you not, think? not 100% sure. I don't know. I've lost them. Don't worry. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's only slight, so I'm sure it'll be fine. Um, 
yeah, so that that probably leads us quite nicely onto the second question, um, which is how is your anxiety versus excitement now? So what percentage is anxious and what percentage excited at this point and I guess at, di- at different points so far? So how how many weeks are you now? So currently I am 15 weeks today. today um, yeah. yeah. So I think for me, excitement didn't kick in really at all. So when I first found out, I got, I was a little bit excited when I first found out, but then my overwhelming feeling was not so much anxiety, but it was lowness, but that is my kind of default is low over anxiety. Um, so it was, well, that's how I experience it. I experience it as low, but maybe it is anxiety, but anyway, side point. Um, but the, um, I think it wasn't until the 12 week scan that's when I started to feel a little bit of excitement I think I just couldn't really connect with the idea of being pregnant I just felt awful like physically awful and kind of mentally awful um and then when you kind of see a baby kind of moving around in there kind of giving you a bit of a wave that is different isn't it when you get that feedback um so then I experienced kind of a bit more excitement so I guess right now I've got I've got more excitement than I have had and I think that that will just continue to probably grow the more so like we're doing we're doing a gender scan next week because I am completely impatient and um I want to know the gender as soon as I can um so I think that there will be again another layer of excitement then when I find out what the gender is um, yeah so yeah but I, I definitely have I haven't just been excited overall and that's why I did that reel which just basically goes it's okay if you're not just excited there's a whole host of other emotions in there and I think that, that is quite often the way after loss NICU difficult births traumatic births difficult pregnancies and all that kind of thing mm. um, and I think for me the last pregnancy was really um eventful um so i had the um vanishing twin syndrome um in the kind of first trimester um and then i had something wrong with my bladder which they could never find out and they just said oh it's just pregnancy and i was like but this really hurts um and then i had the pgp pain and then obviously had the preeclampsia so it just felt like one thing after another and right now i feel okay so I'm just like, what's, what's going on? So that then to me doesn't feel like I'm pregnant because <laughs> nothing's yeah. so far. So what, so do you think that's the main source of the anxiety or the lowness or is it more, or has it just been different things at different stages? So like you said about feeling anxious about the effect on Arlo and yeah. then has it sort of moved around the focus? Yeah. Yeah, completely. I think for me, for this time round, I'm not focusing so much on on the anxiety, actually, because the first time round, I was I was very anxious and I was just going, something's going to go wrong. And that was what my narrative was in my head. Yeah. Because um, I just couldn't imagine it ever actually happening. Um, whereas this time round, I don't have that script in my head, which is odd because I normally would. Um I don't necessarily have the script that something's going to go right, but I, I just feel a bit kind of more neutral about it and guess more realistic in the fact that like what will happen will happen and I will manage in whatever way that I, I need to. Yeah. I guess it, that probably comes from, I don't know you I mean, <laughs> obviously I'm preaching to the, to the choir, but um, <laughs> it's, could that that could come from the fact that you're in a place where you feel okay with your Nikki journey Mm. or Arlo's Nikki journey your journey together and you you know that you got through it yeah so it's like whatever sort of gets thrown at me I can cope and I can get through it yeah and I I know things could go worse I know that I could have a Nikki journey where um the baby was born earlier or I had more medical problems, or 
you know worst case scenarios you know could mm. really badly happen i know all that can, could happen as well but i'm also a bit like i could spend my energy thinking about this when that's not necessarily going to happen or i could not <laughs> um, yeah. and i i feel like i'm in a place where i'm able to make that decision a little bit more i've done quite a lot of work myself um in this kind of way of therapy that i'm i'm doing quite a lot at the moment so this acceptance and commitment therapy based stuff and a lot about that is kind of acceptance and kind of go what can i control here is the way that i'm thinking helpful or unhelpful and if it's unhelpful then what can i do differently about it and that's really helped me in this kind of way of thinking um because if i if i start going down that track i'm kind of like okay pause that's not massively helpful for me right now and i just kind of go into that neutral way of thinking not positive thinking it's kind of neutral yeah i think that's the thing isn't it when people people try and reassure and say oh this won't happen that's won't that won't happen that's not necessarily what you need to do is it no no because you can't predict that and like you experienced that when you were in nikki when people were like it will all be okay you don't know that um no. So you, you can't reassure that. Um, but I can kind of just go, I'm just going to take it as it comes and I yeah. will be okay in the end. Yeah, I think that's a great place to be. Mm. I might not be like that, like tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not linear, is it? No, exactly. And that's the thing, I think, with hormones as well. And I think oh. they kicked in big time in that, in that first trimester. Um, so you had... A few videos of me just crying <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> at you so you know I was in that headspace at that point so who knows where I'll be <laughs> yeah I mean things do tend to calm down hormonally a bit in the second trimester don't they when the placenta takes over so mm. hopefully you get a bit of a smoother ride and with sickness from now on as well yeah fingers crossed it is hard it is hard to be excited when you're like cripplingly nauseous as well yeah and I think this time I'm around, exhausted. yeah, and uh, like first trimester, I could nap. Yeah. But first time around, I could nap. This time around, I cannot nap. And I am chasing around a toddler who wants to eat handfuls of soil. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not. Imagine really... if you had Margot. <laughs> yeah. Like... like scaling buildings. <laughs> Literally scaling buildings. <laughs> Literally scaling buildings and eating walls. <laughs> oh, I really yeah no I think that's that's another thing that worries me about a second pregnancy as well yeah sure if I if I was I was really I was like physically n nauseous as well and exhausted the first time around and mm. and also if I was so anxious the effect that would have on Margot as well yeah sure yeah yeah I used to literally just, I think I've said it before, I used to literally, by, by the time I could feel her moving and kicking, mm. I would basically lay down multiple times an hour and mm. drink a whole glass of water so that I could feel her moving and know that she was okay. Yeah. So, like, having to live like that, I mean, having to, ending up having to live like that again, it just mm. wouldn't be possible. So, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of layers to my thoughts on on a second pregnancy or not second pregnancy but trying for a second baby yeah I think I think what's interesting for me is that it is it is different this time around I don't know that it would be the same for you but like first time around I was I was super super anxious and I was monitoring a lot I'd already had an, a number of private scans already by this point yeah um, I bought myself like a, a one of those ultrasound monitor things so that you can mm. do it at home which they tell you not to have but I did that and then occasionally wouldn't be able to find the heartbeat because I'm not a professional and I cannot use it and then would freak myself out about that um but I am yeah. I'm not doing that this time around um and I don't maybe know it, I maybe it does go back to what, what I was saying about like having having a child and knowing yeah. that it's possible yeah 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 and and also that they are so distracting like the first, yes. the first time around, you were literally checking in on your app all the time. What size fruit is my baby? This time around, I was like, it went from a lentil to a pear. And I was like, how did that happen? Um, so yeah. I think, it, you know, it's just not as intense, maybe. 
Yeah. And like every day you're like, and today I am nine weeks and three days and tomorrow I'll be in nine weeks and four days. Whereas at the moment weeks are just going like, exactly. Like like hours. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And the idea, so this is one that's kind of stuck with me a little bit is the idea that by the middle of this week, I will be halfway to how pregnant I was with Arlo. So yeah, that's, that's that's a crazy thought, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but I'm kind of preparing myself in my head that the baby could come anywhere between August and October. So when people ask me when when the baby is due, that's what I tend to kind of say. Um, <laughs> anywhere from August on. <laughs> well, exactly, but but it is it's the case. people don't get that though when they haven't had a premature baby. <laughs> They're like, what? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't tend to tell people that I don't know or. You know. <laughs> a stranger in the shop anywhere from august to october (laughs) (laughs) no but i'm not i'm not set around that due date and i always get a funny feeling when people ask me when i'm due that's it that's one thing that i've noticed um because if they say to me like when are you due i'm i'm not saying second of october because i just know how rubbish due dates are yeah totally yeah total rubbish even for even like term is classed as like a three or four week period so exactly exactly somewhere around there a marker in the sand hasn't there yep um another question okay how do you think arlo will be as he hasn't been around many babies i think as i've kind of said about this he that is my biggest anxiety is about how he will be um whether he will feel okay about it um he is he's super caring and he's very observant um so I think he will just take it in maybe to start with I think I think it's really difficult at this age with him because I can't really explain it yeah him so that's I think that's hard. Um, So my sister's just had a baby and my best friend has recently had a baby. Um, And today I held my best friend's baby for the first time. Um, And he just kind of looked like, what's going on? (laughs) (laughs) That's mummy and with a baby. (laughs) You've got a baby in your arms. Um, But there's been a couple of times like when I've done FaceTime with like my sister and he's just looked at the screen and kind of gone baba. So he's aware of babies. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how he will be. Um, and that's another thing I'll just have to kind of take in my stride with that. I want him to feel really important. Um, so yeah. I'll just try and do that as much as I possibly can do. It's like anything with parenting, isn't it? You're basically trying to navigate it without damaging your child. <laughs> oh, yeah, but you inevitably do damage your child. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, look at all of us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I had a great mum, and yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what happens. Yeah. And, like, when you think about it, probably, the I don't know the stats, but the majority of people have siblings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, so... It's obviously a thing that people just just deal with, like... Exactly, and I think one thing someone tried to say to me in a reassuring way was he will never know life without a sibling. Yeah, because he's so young. Because he's so young. So that was trying to be said in a reassuring way, but it made me cry because I was early on and I was full of hormones. (laughs) but it made me cry because I was like, I want him to remember it, it just being all about him. Um, mm. So, but maybe I will feel differently about that when I have another baby. Um, I probably wouldn't want it. I would want it to feel 50-50 at that point, I hope. Exactly. Once, once you have, once you know this baby, yeah, you're going to love them the same amount as you love Arlo. Which is really hard to comprehend. It's so hard to understand that, isn't it? Yeah. Like, and when I think you have one, it's like, how could I possibly love anything the same amount as this? Completely. And like, I spoke to my mum about it and she's had five. Um, and she remembers that kind of feeling with every single pregnancy that she had. But she mm. was like, but it does. You ju- it just grows. It just gets bigger. 
um, which is just so hard to comprehend. Yeah, and also like an incredible thing to think about. Yeah, yeah, completely. And the, I mean, we saw, we spent time today with Margot's cousins Mm. and we were actually talking about how they've barely spent any time together, the five of them, because Mm. they, uh, because of lockdown basically Mm -hmm. and how young they are. But there's like this natural affinity between them Mm. because they're family and like, it's just cool to think that siblings is like that as well. Like there's this, there's going to be this natural bond between the two of them. So Mm. not only will Arlo maybe not remember life without a sibling, but he won't want to. Yeah. Yeah, completely. But I'm also aware of things like that siblings when they're, when they are really young, that they can express that they're struggling with not getting enough attention by saying things like, I hate the baby. Or like, you know, saying stuff like that. So I'm kind of prepared for that as a reaction as well. Um, My my nephew asked to send my niece back. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not all like, oh, they hold the baby and they're in love. Like all the kind of stuff you see on like, you know, reels and (laughs) all that kind of stuff. It's not, I'm not expecting it to be like that. Um, But I will just take it as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a plan in place for the possibility of a NICU stay? I guess this centres around Arlo more anyway. Um, yeah. Now? I don't yet, but I will. Um, yeah. So I will plan for what will happen around that. So for around Arlo and for the dog. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, yeah, I will plan as if that was going to happen but not saying that that is going to happen but in the same way that I will have a birth plan and that not necessarily maybe going that way ultimately it'll just be about how to get the baby out safely um but I will have ideas in place I guess Um, I mean I think to be honest I think it's something everyone should think about mm, whether you've had a previous NICU stay or not um, yeah. see if you have and it's due to prematurity um, because of something like preeclampsia yeah. then obviously it is something you, you need to think about logistically mm-hmm. like you have more than just yourselves to worry about now Completely. Um, did Ryan have to go back to work last time? yeah um, so he had two weeks paternity leave and then he went back um, so I had three four weeks on my own mm-hmm. um, and then he was in when he was off shift um, there so I had to think about things like getting driven in because I'd had the uh, C-section. Yeah. Um, so I had to get people to be able to do that and um, thinking about that. Um, so things like logistically, I will just have an idea around um, stuff. But ultimately, you know, this idea of having a plan in place for Nikki, you, you do just do it without a plan <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we did it last time, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we didn't know we were going in, and you do figure out a way of doing it. Um, mm. I didn't even have my hand. I didn't even have like a handbag or a purse. I literally had my phone in my pocket and my mm. notes, and that was it. Because yeah. we went for a scan, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, you're going to theatre now." <laughs> mm. It's like you just you just have to get on with it. You're in the situation, and you no. sort stuff out. Exactly. You imagine all these things like being able to pack a hospital bag, but really what you're asking is for your husband to shove some pants in a bag. At, like, <laughs> and, you know, but you, you can figure the rest out. Or like yeah. I had family who went and bought me like nursing bras and nighties and tops that undid at the front so that I could do skin to skin and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Basically, my mum went to Tesco and Mothercare mm. and bought me... A nursing nursing bra and mm-hmm. some tracksuit bottoms, pajamas, and massive massive pants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then yeah. that, that was fine mm-hmm. until Greg got a chance to go home. So yeah, exactly. And I had the exact same. with it. Yeah, there's these huge lists of things you need for your hospital bag. Mm. You don't really. <laughs> <laughs> my my um, best friend was so funny about her hospital bag um she had her baby um at term and didn't have a nicky stay but packed a diffuser <laughs> <laughs> what 
she read somewhere that she would need a diffuser to be able to help her calm stay calm. She was like, I did not use the diffuser. I was like, I told you, you would not use that diffuser. <laughs> diffuser. <laughs> I know. So good. <laughs> the list gets absolutely ridiculous, I think. You just, you oh, just I, need I had a work. spreadsheet for mine. I mean, I hadn't packed it yet. Mm-hmm. but I had like a spreadsheet because there's like all these lists in different places online that have lists of different things mm. never actually got as far as the diffuser um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I was I was getting like anxious about that and actually all I needed was myself <laughs> yeah completely and that's a, it is just what you need you just make do with the rest I mean massive pants are probably up there with yourself as as to what you need yeah and maybe if you're planning to bring home the baby sort of in the near future some clothes (laughs) um wasn't a problem for us yeah yeah (laughs) exactly even then you could pop to tesco like Mm. (laughs) Mm. but yeah um so you will have a plan in place (laughs) (laughs) um we've covered this next one a bit I, i i mean and you spoke about the act, the act therapy you've been doing. Yeah. Um, how, how to not have anxiety about a second NICU baby. Yeah. And I think I touched on this in stories. Um, cause I mean, it depends like who you talk to, like therapist wise. Um, but like my reaction always is, is that you can't not have anxiety. You mm. can handle how you, react to the anxiety so rather than having the struggle with the anxiety you can kind of have it sitting next to you um not fighting it um and that's where I'm at with regards to that so it's not that I don't have it but it's that it's there and I can go it's okay that it's there yeah so so I think that that's not letting it control you and and change the way you're living your life yeah completely it's like you know beforehand I think anxiety was in the driving seat for me whereas now it's in the passenger seat um and I'm doing the driving so that's where it's where it's at yeah exactly (laughs) yeah so I think I don't think you're ever not going to feel anxious especially if you've been through that first time round. that will happen just it will happen human we have anxiety for a reason Um, yeah and it's there to kind of protect us and it's there to kind of go, ah, this happened before. You need to be aware of the fact that this happened before. And you're like, yeah, cheers brain. I know that. <laughs> so yeah. how you kind of manage it in that way. I think as a community as well, like we are exposed to a lot of the what ifs because we engage with each other and we've all got different stories and different outcomes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that stuff swirling around in our brains as well. Um, Mm -hmm. of of traumatic experiences or different experiences that other people have been through Mm -hmm. um, that people may not be aware of rightly or wrongly we think wrongly Um, Mm -hmm. but I think that that sort of adds a layer of anxiety for me as well it's like okay this happened to me last time but this could happen next time or the same could happen or Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but there's this kind of narrative for when people are pregnant that you don't tell them all the bad things that could happen Mm. Um, and I kind of understand that so like um, hypnobirthing and things like that they're a bit they're like don't tell any bad stories so um, it's all about your positive birth experiences and talking about that Um, which I understand because you want to keep people in a positive mind frame but I think there is also an element of you do need to be realistic about it. And if I had known about the neonatal unit, not in a fear-mongering way, but in a factual way, maybe that would have been more helpful. And I think pretty much everyone we've spoken about who's been in NICU has said the same. Yeah, and it's not rare to end up in NICU. I think that's the thing. I mean, mm. we've had it. We obviously, we obviously try and raise awareness and we're trying to push for awareness during pregnancy because it's important, as you've said, for, to help people cope. And we've had sort of interactions with accounts in the past where they've said, actually, could you, yeah, you can share your story, but can you sort of go easy on the details? We don't want to scare anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And at which point we quite often say, actually, we won't do that. Mm, <laughs> um, yeah. We'd rather not share, but 
yeah it's like i mean even actually i've even done it we were having a conversation before we start before we press record on the podcast about a story i'd seen and i said oh sorry that's probably not the best thing to talk about when you're pregnant is it mm. yeah it just... shouldn't be the case really should it no and i like i don't mind um because i know like i feel like i can kind of separate it and i feel okay about it but that's not how everybody's going to feel about it like even kind of if you have had a, a nikki stay before and people tell you about horror stories maybe you might not want to hear about it it might affect you in that kind of way mm. i had it with my sister the other day where she told me a, a really horrific pregnancy story and then was like oh my god i completely forgot that you were pregnant i'm so sorry and i was i was like it's absolutely fine um but i i don't mind you telling me that i think we're like you said we're immersed in this world of things going wrong all the time um so you almost kind of just i don't know it's the norm almost yeah exposure <laughs> yeah exposure yeah exposure um i guess the second one feeds into that actually uh, not second one the next question feeds into that um how do I talk to a partner who's a hundred percent traumatized, but I, I want another baby. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of in the same boat as this. I think Greg has come, Greg has not got to the point yet where he wants another baby at the moment. He's not said never, but I think he is still quite traumatized by our miscarriages and the NICU stay. Um, but we haven't sort of, we haven't really spoken about it in depth because I'm not ready yet to have another one um but what would you what would you suggest frankie not to me but i didn't answer i didn't ask this question <laughs> sending in the questions <laughs> questions i would just whatsapp you <laughs> i think i think this is a really tricky one isn't it because if someone is experiencing that kind of trauma you obviously don't want to push them and i think like I've, I've said kind of in the past if it was the other way around and it was the mum who was traumatized there would be no kind of push on it with there mm. um so i think for men sometimes it's harder to talk about it maybe talk about that kind of trauma and um, talk about those kind of feelings and stuff like that so i think i would just voice that I'd name it i'd kind of say um I know that you're still struggling with this, but we need to be on the same page with what we want life to look like. Um, so it's thinking about like beforehand, had you thought about wanting more than one? Um, what do you both want your life to look like? Is it that he is 100% saying no, or is he just saying no, not right now? And then it's thinking about, okay, well, at what point would you feel ready? What needs to happen for you to be able to get to that point where you feel okay about it? Um, and I guess if it is that he kind of says, I need to be able to get over this trauma, for example, it's about, okay, so how do we do that? Um, is it that you need some kind of reading about it? Do you need to talk about it with someone? Do you need to go to the GP about it? No pressure. You don't have to do it now. But if we're thinking about having another one in the future, these are the kind of things that we need to do. I'll do it with you. I will be here to kind of support you with it in whatever way that you need to. Um, but it's kind of opening up that conversation, isn't it? And kind of going, what do you need? Yeah, exactly. And I think um, men actually get forgotten um, even more than women, as a, like NICU mums as a group. Mm -hmm. NICU dads get sort of pushed aside um, a little bit, I think. Completely. Our, our, our unit were brilliant. Um, they have a dads group that runs every week where just dads can go and it can be a space where they don't have to be that strong person that's not showing their emotions to mm -hmm. yeah and not trying to support like a hormonal emotional partner mm -hmm. um and i know greg found that really useful when he was in the unit and he used to go every week um and that's actually quite unlike him because he, he doesn't express emotions a lot mm. um but i think after like it tends to be mums that are the ones going to baby groups and things and talking to other mums which in itself helps I think telling yes. your story and things and it sort of takes the levels of trauma down a bit uh, 
the six week check is well mainly about baby sometimes you don't even get asked about yourself but it's Mm -hmm. normally the mum that takes the baby and they'll be asked oh how are you you've got the healthiest asking how mum is Mm. who's asking how dad is yeah yeah and it, it just doesn't happen and I know that there's been a kind of new wave of this new initiative for maternal mental health services going across the whole of the country but really it needs to be parental services not focused on maternal um because it it does affect partners like you know we put out those stats around um ptsd after nicu and it was kind of 50 percent of women experience ptsd but 30% 30% of men experience PTSD as well. So that's vicarious yeah. trauma. So trauma kind of witnessing what happened, it not happening to you. And that's still a huge percentage. That's one in three. Um, and it's it, even though the like Nikki mums are a missed group, Nikki dads are a huge missed group. Yeah. Yeah. And society is still very much in that men show men are ingra- it's ingrained in them to show emotion less or to yeah. to have to be like in inverted commas the strong one or yeah. and it, it shouldn't be that way and i think yeah uh, that that kind of that's definitely greg's point of view i think um mm. although again to to make my point we don't really talk about it <laughs> mm. Mm. yeah and it's sometimes it's hard to have those conversations if you're not used to having them in that kind of a way. It's like, how do you bring it up? What is, I don't know, it's, it's difficult um, to have those kind of conversations. But like, you know, like I have it with people where I just go, I just need to name the elephant. Like, I just feel like I need to say it. Um, mm-hmm. And as long as you say it in a way that doesn't feel like attacking, that it's not in like a curious and empathic kind of way of I, ju- I just want to talk about it a little bit because it's been playing on my mind I don't know you yeah. know your partner don't you you know the way that they're going to respond to stuff so doing it yeah. through what a letter doing it through kind of conversation doing it when you're like if they struggle with that kind of face-to-face contact when you're in the car so you're not looking at each other just you know it might be stuff like that that you need to think about as well yeah this is a weird one, but like, for example, I know if I need to bring something up with, with my husband, I do it, <laughs> this might sound weird, in the dark. So when the lights have turned out and he's going to talk to me more, if the lights are turned out, so that's when yeah. I tend to have the majority of conversations with him properly. Which I guess is the same thing as like being in the car, isn't it? It's just like not, not having like, having to have eye contact and... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A layer of disconnect almost yeah they, they feel they feel i can be a little bit more vulnerable yeah yeah completely i think one thing that we um i've spoken about quite a bit on instagram is like people have said to me are you worried about being in nicu again um and we we spoke about it a little bit earlier but often my fear kind of goes to the idea of not doing nicu again obviously i I don't want to do NICU again but Mm -hmm. there is a part of me that knows that I know what NICU is like I know it's predictable the idea of going into labor for me that I didn't have that first time around so that feels quite scary um to the point where I'm like do I do that or do I do a planned c-section but I really wanted to have the birth the first time around and I had huge grief feelings about that so that's that's a question that's kind of popping up for me around what do yeah. I do you know I might not get a choice but if I did have a choice what would I do um, yeah. and the idea of having a baby that is healthy that you then just take home after like what 24 hours that feels so alien um that thought is quite terrifying for me. I don't know if it is for you. Yeah, no, it is. Because I'm like, I don't think I'd know what to do without having the nurses guide me to start with. Because that's what they did. They told me what to do. Um, yeah. So to be kind of like, there you go, there's your baby, go look after it. And I'm like, oh, okay. I know nothing about weight gain, establishing feeding on my own. Um, I don't know. What else do healthy babies do? <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I would, I would think I would feel the same. Like I actually felt, I think I've said this before in posts and stuff and stories. Um, I felt so safe in NICU. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think I would be struggling with that thought as well. And mm. I, f- for that, for the sort of control reason and OCD probably, I think I would opt for a planned section because mm. it gives a bit of solidity even though it's an arbitrary date and we know that mm. Mm. <laughs> um, it gives sort of a little bit of solidity and control saying like this is what it's going to look like mm. even though it might not yeah. and I think there's something different about having a planned c-section that you've chosen compared yeah. to that emergency c-section where your idea of what birth was going to be is completely taken out of your hands maybe yeah um yeah and it's a totally like you won't end up in that situation where i don't know if you were in this but there's like 17 people in the room you're being read the risks while pumped with steroids like mm. that's not gonna happen i've 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 read a lot of things on and spoken to a lot of people about planned sections and they can be beautiful yeah and calm and enjoyable experiences Mm. yeah I so, just, that's the other thing is I don't know a huge amount about what a non-emergency c-section looks like either so I don't really know what that would look like um so I need to look more into all of that kind of thing I just want to know what all of my options are with that but again the world that I'm in um I have rarely heard of a, a birth that isn't traumatic <laughs> um I yeah. have had very little positive experiences of um people kind of having vaginal births and it being a really positive experience yeah um, I, know, I know positive things do happen um obviously um but yeah yeah I don't know I think for me the main thing is that idea of being able to have I don't know why it's about this focus but about being able to have your baby on your chest when you've just had them I get that as well. Totally get that image for me. So if I was able to do that with a plan C section, maybe I would do that. I don't know. Um, I think you can't. Yeah, I think that is what happens with a plan section. Mm. I mean, when I had Margot, they offered to take the curtain down and let me watch her actually be born. Like, really? I, yeah, I said no because I mean, because that's they knew that we didn't know the gender. Okay, right, and the surgeon was trying to sort of find a nice way in the panic, I guess, for us mm. to find out. Um, it really backfired. Um, but I, I chose not to because we were told by the consultant that we didn't know what kind of, how she would be because it mm. was cord flow that was the issue. And I just sort of chose, I, we decided together that that wasn't what we wanted to do. Just, just sort of in case it was anything that we didn't want to see. Um, mm. And yeah, so that's that's like an option as well which can i guess make it feel slightly more natural because you actually see the birth yeah no and i like instagram saw that happen on instagram <laughs> the other day i watched yeah. a video of someone having a section and it, it, she even got the baby out herself wow <laughs> yeah i know i don't know how you would have the stomach muscles to be able to do that but um yeah so it, yeah. it almost looked like a um like a vaginal birth in that kind of way of like getting the baby out see i Uh, think that's the kind of vibe i would be heading for mm. i think that's the thing there's so much it's such a personal decision yeah and but i need i need to do a lot of kind of research around that that i just don't know because i was given no options within my section it just happened yeah yeah i mean ultimately i say that's it's it's a personal decision it's really not a decision mm. <laughs> nature makes the decision at the end of the day but yeah you can express your wishes though can't exactly. you exactly you exactly it's a plan isn't it and yeah it's not even a plan it's a wish a wish yeah a yeah. wish yeah but, you know because a plan isn't necessarily a mission statement <laughs> yeah, it, it is it's kind of like ideally this is what i would like to happen but do whatever you need to, to be able exactly. to. Ultimately, to safe baby, please. Yeah, exactly. And safe me. Yeah. Mainly that's safe how baby. I would write my plan, I think, if I was to write a plan. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, um, so when I was pregnant because of 
my OCD, I had been referred to mental health, the mental health midwives. Mm. And it's probably if you are feeling anxious and you're in a, you're in a, um, a pregnancy that comes after a NICU stay or traumatic experience, probably ask your midwife to refer you to the mental health midwives if you've got them in your community team because they're brilliant and they can work with you to come up with a really sensitively thought out birth plan um I hadn't actually come up with ours yet apart from there were some bits and pieces like allowing Greg to stay with me overnight because my anxiety would not cope with him not and things like that and if there's things like that that can help you the mental health midwives can are are brilliant advocates Mm -hmm. um they got me they got us a private room like i say they allowed greg to stay um and i think there's a lot to be said for just the added layer of sensitivity and empathy that they can add to your whole experience so i would definitely definitely recommend asking to be referred if possible um because ultimately if you've been through a NICU experience, you've been through a traumatic experience and you may not have like a diagnosed mental health condition as such, but yeah, it's, it's there. Yeah, completely. And you know, I will, I will be going down that route as well because, you know, I think for right now I'm feeling okay. I don't know how I will be um, closer Mm. to it. Um, When it happens, I don't know. I know that I have had that kind of past trauma um so you just don't know so things like um like my husband being able to stay or um like the idea of if my baby did go into NICU and having to go back onto the unit being surrounded with people with their babies which is what I was first time round I don't think I could do that um second time round which does never ever happen it makes me I I'm seething just at the thought of it. Like mm-hmm. that should never happen. <laughs> no, I know, but it does. You know, there's a few people that someone who messaged today talking about that as their experience. Um, so it does just happen. I mean, there's a lot of work for us to do on that front, isn't there? In yeah. terms yeah. of generally raising awareness and also the mental perinatal mental health. But. Yeah, and just uh, like training of staff, awareness of staff with regards to that midwives who are actually on the unit um and it's just... I, I mean one of the worst things for me i was in a private room so i mean i say we were lucky we were lucky because not not there's not always enough private rooms but you yeah, should not yeah. be on a ward with other babies i'd rather be on a ward with preg- people that were still pregnant right mm-hmm. um but i found that hard as well because i was also on a ward with people who were still pregnant who were in labor and oh, that's not right, though. No, yeah. Exactly. So, no. yeah. So I got moved from the labour <laughs> to, um, yeah, to the room with mums and babies. But surely there's like a room where it's mums with like preeclampsia and they're inpatients or whatever. I like, I, I mean, I, I guess it depends on the size of hospital. Ours is big, so yeah. Um, and there are, and they were, they're a level three NICU, so they're quite used to having quite a lot of NICU babies yes. I guess but, yes. but yeah there should be provision for it mm-hmm. um but right I mean right down to the cleaner that used to come into the room and clean and they every cleaner that came in would be like oh like when are you due or where's your baby and it's like mm-hmm. no that like even every level needs to be trained yeah like this is a really really emotional situation an emotional ward you're you're going into yeah completely yeah because I remember I, I remember even speaking to a midwife afterwards and um, because I was in afterwards with my blood pressure just didn't come down no matter what they tell you about preeclampsia that it will be solved as soon as the baby out it, that's not what happened um for me um, but I remember going and talking to a midwife and her saying, so when are you due? Because I was saying about my blood pressure being high and I was like, no, my baby's been downstairs for like three weeks. Um, and her just being like, okay, so I don't understand why you're here. Um, and I was just like, okay, can you go and read my notes? <laughs> so she was actually the midwife that was dealing with you? On the unit, yeah. And I was asking her questions. And about she hadn't her. read your notes? No. I had similar actually it's just reminded me I went for so 
my community midwife normally you'd go for your postnatal checks in the community center which is nearest to my house yeah but because of NICU they check you in for them at the hospital mm-hmm. which is great if you turn up and they know why you're there mm-hmm. so I turned up obviously without my baby and I had to go to reception explain why I was there they hadn't written my appointment down even though it had been made for me before they discharged me yeah like even stuff like that yeah just make life that little bit easier in the in one of the worst times of your life yeah. it doesn't take much no exactly all it needs is like a little disclaimer just a little i don't know <laughs> highlight this person in some kind of way um yeah. to just go this person's had a bit of a rough time in some yeah. way read exactly yeah oh, yeah and sitting in a waiting room with pregnant women or women there with one week old babies for postnatal checks as well like yeah just say yeah. would you like to wait in a side room or yeah completely I went to have my 12 week scan and this woman came in and she was 20 25 weeks pregnant and she was talking about the fact that she had been upstairs in fetal health and she had been sent back downstairs and she'd been sent back upstairs yeah she and she came downstairs and she was she was in front of me and she was like I have been here for an hour and a half I've been told to come in as this is an emergency because I can't feel my baby moving and I've been moved from upstairs and downstairs because no one knows why I'm here and I was just like oh god I just feel for you so much and she was so kind of panicked and you could tell it was all just bubbling along she was all on her own and I just like within that moment you just kind of want to go are you okay like yeah you almost want to take over don't you like let me deal with this for you and find out where you should be you sit down exactly exactly but I think that comes from having been in our situation before doesn't it yeah but that's all it would have taken for um, for the receptionist in that situation to just go, just go sit down. I'll figure it out and I'll take care yeah. of it. You're in good hands, kind of thing, rather mm. than being like, mm, no, I can't see you on the system. Um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, that seems to be in the genes of quite a lot of medical receptionists. <laughs> yeah, I know, but but I think that's like what you said. It's about training all around, isn't it? And that needed for everybody yeah. you encounter within every single touch point. Yeah. Exactly. From the people delivering the meals to the ward, yeah, right through to the consultants. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Mm. So we've um, today been talking on Instagram about this idea of kind of campaigning. So um, I did like a poll that was asking people about what their experience has been about mental health support post NICU and just the results of like, not shocking um but like 60 percent of badly people saying, yeah yeah but 60 percent of people saying that they had had negative experience within that or, or no support um and i i just think that it is just so wrong so um we started mm. kind of talking to other professionals in the field um people who are interested in it and trying to get some kind of campaigning done in some kind of way to actually make changes in this because it's all well and good us just sitting here on a podcast and saying how awful is this but something actually needs to be done about these things and I think we're in a position where we're able to do that. I think like you being a clinical psychologist as well and having had the experience and having to advocate for yourself and eventually actually go private Mm -hmm. to get the support that you knew you needed. Yeah just shows how many people can slip through the net and how important it is that we do do this completely and I think that's the thing like I'm I'm informed I'm I work within the world of um therapy and mental health and I still really struggled even though I was very much kind of advocating and saying I know about this world so Mm -hmm. for people who don't know about the world and don't really know what to say that makes me feel really bad for people who just can't who don't know how to and fight it or kind of push for things or advocate for themselves because if a GP tells you no there's there's no services you're going to go okay there's no services you're just going to take what the GP says at face value yeah um, yeah. and going okay but what about all these different avenues is there anything else that you can do about it even yeah. though I did that there was still nothing um but yeah yeah and then you end up even if you do advocate for yourself like you did mm you end up in a situation where your only option is private and that's just simply not an option for a lot of people completely and especially the majority of people on maternity leave yeah and that's when you need it during that kind of maternity leave 
period for the majority i had i had had to wait until i was back at work um but i could have done with it a lot sooner yeah exactly yeah so yeah we are going to be well we've started already mm -hmm. yeah campaigning for for change in that so if anyone wants to be involved in that get in touch um because i think the more voices we have the better and the kind of louder we can be the more people who can do things like contact their local MPs, their local services, raise awareness, question what people are doing to support NICU parents. And like, for example, with this rollout of new maternity, maternal mental health services, contacting the places that have got those coming into play and going, what is your provision going to be for parents who've been through, through the NICU? Um, yeah. And the keyword, parents. Yeah, exactly. So it's just stuff like that. You can be part of your kind of, I think it's called maternal um, voices partnership. I think it's called something like that. Um, but you can be part of that, that kind of raises awareness and just conversations about um, NICU, NICU parents as well. So even just by doing little things, it just plants the seed of, oh, this is a group of people that we need to be aware of. Yeah. And if lots of people do it, it will snowball. Yeah. Yeah exactly well i think we have spoken for a while i think we've covered a lot of ground from pregnancy right through to <laughs> just mental health in general um yeah. did you have anything else that you wanted to add around um pregnancy post NICU or i think the thing is is that so the way that i guess i'm coming across within this is that i I feel okay. I feel kind of accepting about how things are going to be. I'm kind of taking it a day at a time. And I know for a lot of people, that will not be the situation. I know mm. for a lot of people, this will be like the idea of being pregnant again or getting pregnant again will be highly anxiety provoking. And that is okay that, that that's the case. I think it is probably more normal to be that way. Um, yeah. I know that's how I feel. So. Yeah, exactly. So I think that the anxiety of having another baby after having been through that kind of NICU loss, whatever, whatever it is, is completely normal. But I also think that it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. You can do things to support yourself with that anxiety to be able to kind of cope with it. Mm -hmm. um, so you you don't necessarily just have to accept I will just be massively anxious and I won't be able to cope I think yeah I think even me having this conversation with you I know even though we've spoken about it obviously because we speak all the time mm -hmm. but actually have this conversation with where you're at has made me think if Greg and I did ever get to the point where we both were on the same page and wanted to try for another baby I actually do need to get some help before that mm-hmm yeah, completely. And it, it, you know, it is just stuff about how to, it, it's, it's universal how to cope with that when that anxiety crops up. Um, yeah. And not just around pregnancy, like a, it's coping mechanisms, isn't it? That you use exactly. across your day to day life. Yeah. And I think coping mechanisms, mechanisms kind of get labeled badly. It's like, well, I don't want coping mechanisms, but like it, it, it's so vital in being able to just kind of catch yourself, pause, keep yourself in the present rather than kind of snowballing and panicking yourself and yeah. getting distressed about the anxiety mm. um, tools so i guess is a better way to put it isn't it tools well, to yeah use. yeah exactly yeah. yeah it's like so i've kind of said to people before like if you had a broken leg you'd use a crutch like you just would that's what happens if you have anxiety you need something to be able to cope with it yeah yeah totally I think yeah that's the thing with mental health in general isn't it you, it's harder to for people to get help because they think oh I should just be dealing with it yeah exactly yeah but well that's all that's all what I wanted to add <laughs> that's all okay that's all <laughs> well thank you Frankie for being so open and honest with us um thanking you as a guest <laughs> yeah thank you so much for having me Georgie <laughs> you're very welcome it's been lovely to meet you <laughs> <laughs> well, thank um, you for everyone for listening and do get in contact i think another part of it is having these conversations and talking to someone else who either is gonna be going through it has been through it um and just kind of voicing i'm feeling this way do you feel this way normalizing the way that you feel is a massive part of it i think 
yeah Um, so do keep in touch we do a lot of it on instagram so go and check us out over there if you if that's not how you found us um and yeah we will see you either on social media or next time on the podcast thank you very much thank you for listening to another episode of the miracle moon podcast we hope you enjoyed it and found it helpful you can also find us on instagram at miracle moon uk facebook miracle moon uk and our website www.miraclemoon.co.uk we've also recently started a closed community on facebook for NICU parents to connect and share experiences in a safe environment you can access this via all our channels or message us for more information if you'd like to join please get in touch if you'd like to contribute to our instagram blog or podcast And remember to like, rate, share and subscribe. It helps us to reach Nikki parents and to help them feel less alone.